to a Hope 103.2 podcast. We've started a series on promoting the gospel without actually being an evangelist. Another unhelpful perspective I picked up in my early evangelism training days concerns the gospel message itself. The particular course I studied summarized the gospel in the theological concepts of sin and grace. The goal of the presentation I had to memorize was to convince my hearers, A, that they were unworthy of God's acceptance because of their rebellion, and B, that God's acceptance was offered on the basis of faith alone, not good works. The gospel, in other words, was condensed to two doctrines with little attempt to connect these ideas to the flesh and blood story of Jesus' birth, teaching, miracles, death, resurrection, appearances, and return for judgment. Some gospel preaching today, including some gospel conversations we have with friends, forgets that at its heart, the gospel is the news about Jesus as narrated in the gospels. This is why the four gospels are called gospels, because more than any other part of scripture, they tell the gospel. That's also why the apostolic preaching in the book of Acts generally narrates the entire story of Jesus, including his birth to King David's line, a baptism by John, miracles, arrest, death, and so on. You can look those up in the book of Acts for yourself. This is also why when Paul explicitly summarizes the content of the gospel in his letters, he does so by outlining the key events in Jesus' life from birth to exaltation, including, of course, his death, burial, and appearances. You can look up this for yourself in Romans 1, 2-4, and uh, 2 Timothy 2, 8, and 1 Corinthians 15, 1-8. Of course, sin and grace are central to any true gospel presentation, as they are in the four gospels themselves. But the gospel can't be reduced to these two themes any more than it can be reduced to a simple retelling of Jesus' biography. The gospel is not a theological idea or two. It is theology grounded in the actual events of Jesus' life. The gospel and the gospels are actually one and the same. If I were to try and summarize what the New Testament says is the gospel message, I think I'd have to say this. The gospel is the announcement that God has revealed and opened up his kingdom to sinners like you and me. And he's done it through the birth, teaching, miracles, death and resurrection of the Messiah Jesus, who will one day return to overthrow evil and consummate the kingdom for eternity. Well, another unhelpful perspective I developed in those early days as a Christian evangelist is pretty embarrassing as I look back. This one was probably the result of my personality as much as any training I received. Somehow, I came to assume that the only important means of promoting Christ to others was talking about him. Reaching out to others became for me an entirely verbal activity. But perhaps the best-kept secret of Christian mission is that the Bible lists a whole bunch of activities that promote Christ to the world and draw others toward him. These include prayer, godly behavior, financial assistance, the public praise in church, um, and as I've already mentioned, answering people's questions. 
All of these things are explicitly connected in the Bible with promoting the gospel and winning people to Christ. They are all mission activities, and only a couple of them actually involve the lips at all. Now, I don't want to diminish the role of speaking. The New Testament urges all Christians to be open about Christ in their regular conversations. I mean, to push our faith below the level of daily speech is completely unnatural and a sure sign of Christian ill health. At the same time, downplaying the range of mission activities listed in the Bible creates its own set of problems. It can make those who don't have a flair for speaking feel inadequate in their contribution to God's work in the world. Perhaps more worryingly, and this was certainly the case in my life, it can make those who do have the gift of the gab feel as though they're fulfilling God's plans just by talking. But the reality is the Lord wants far more than our lips in the grand task of taking his mercy to our friends and neighbours. To think otherwise, as I did for years, is to greatly underestimate what God's mission involves. In light of all this, I want to make a distinction throughout this series between the specific activity of proclaiming the gospel, or what we properly call evangelism, and the broader category of promoting the gospel, which includes any and every activity which draws others to Christ. This broader category is sometimes called mission or outreach or witnessing or whatever, but the expression promoting the gospel reminds us that at the heart of our mission is the news of Christ, the gospel itself. The concept of promoting the gospel obviously includes evangelism, telling the gospel, but it also tries to give proper place to things like prayer and godly behaviour and simple answers for the faith in daily conversation. All of these things are explicitly connected in the New Testament with God's plan to save people. Such activities are not separate from the work of the gospel. They are supportive of it and vital to it. Praying that your friends and neighbours would come to know Christ is no less a promotion of the gospel than speaking to them about Christ. Both activities are evangelistic, even if only one of them is actually evangelism in the strict sense. Now, this doesn't mean that those who pray for their friends don't need to worry about speaking to them, any more than it means that those who speak to their friends need not worry about praying for them. My point is that both activities are full contributions to promoting Christ to the world. For years, both as a public evangelist and as a personal encourager, I urged other Christians to evangelize, to announce the gospel, as if this were the only significant thing they could do to promote the gospel. In a sense, I was just projecting my own ministry and personality onto believers in general. I was an evangelist, so everyone else should be as well. That was the logic. The problem is, God's word doesn't quite put it that way, and attempts to argue otherwise usually involve stretching biblical passages beyond their plain meaning. I used to do it myself. The motivation was honourable. I wanted more Christians to be more involved in the work of the gospel. But as with so many other issues, a worthy goal does not give me permission to handle the Bible poorly. We are involved in God's mission And so we must allow God's word to shape our part in it. The slogan, every Christian is an evangelist, 
has a noble purpose, but it's not actually how the Bible speaks about it. For Christians in general, as opposed to evangelists in particular, telling the gospel to others, evangelism, could be described as the icing on the cake of mission. It is certainly the most conspicuous part, and once tasted, it will often be the sweetest part too. But for the typical Christian, it is not the bulk of the task. It's not where most of our opportunities to promote Christ to others will be found. And a central aim of this series is to show just how all-encompassing is the Bible's call to be involved in God's mission. I hope and pray that what follows in this series will inspire you to see everything you do as a tool in God's hands for the benefit of those who don't yet know Christ. Hope 103.2 Thanks for listening.